welcome back to the Sage Cubecast. On this episode, we have Nino. And uh, you have myself, Christy, and Tom. Hi. And uh, we're going to get into it with Nino. Um, he, uh, he's an OG. Yeah. <laughs> PK community. Um, Keeping it real since 1999. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> YOLO. Um, yeah, when I seen uh, Nino in the scene, um, oh, he's so intimidating. Like, he's got these locks of hair, he's ripped, <laughs> all the cool stuff, right? And nicest guy ever. And um, I've been following his Instagram. Like, I th even tell you, you know, like, I really enjoy watching your Instagram. Like, it's well, really thank you. Yeah, like, I, I always have and I always will, I feel. <laughs> Well, I'm humbled. Yeah. Thank you so much yeah, for the kind words. Uh, definitely a lot of things where it's like, oh, I want to try that. And I go try and it's like, oh, I, I can't even come close to do. <laughs> yeah, like doing that. three person front lever. Oh, yeah, that's that's quite a story on its own. Yeah, I mean, you know, we always we always see other people doing something crazy and then we kind of like judge ourselves based off. Oh, I can't do that. And then like it's kind of like I think like a flaw in us as humans, you know, we always just do that and just like. Yeah. But we all have our own skills and talents. Like you guys can do things I can't do too. And just like, we got to be more humble and have more self-love and appreciation for ourselves. Cause I do that all the time too. Cause you know, you see the chasm boys and they're doing fucking crazy shit. And I'm just like, Whoa, man, I can't do any of that. And you know, it kind of puts me in a more like kind of that space of like, you know, just like doubting myself, but it's like, man, we all have our own skills and talents and just like, mm -hmm. just, you know, focus on what yeah. you can do and enjoy the moment. Yeah, for sure. Oh, what you put your time into too, right? Like, can't be totally. doing everything all the time. Yeah, that's my flaw. I try to do everything. Yeah. <laughs> I got Dude. I got too many hobbies and it's just like I mean, killing me. Do you ever get down on yourself for not doing something? Like you find time in your 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 day and you're like, why why am I not throwing cards or shooting my uh, slingshot? You know, like or, yeah. or training in my backyard. Do you ever get down on yourself for that? Uh, you know, sometimes and then like yeah, I mean even more recently like. I mean, you know, the older I get, the more interests and hobbies I get into. And, you know, before when I was like 21, parkour was life. So all we had was parkour. And so it was pretty easy. But now, you know, we got like yeah. list after list of things I'm interested in. And now it gets harder to do everything. So, yeah, I do sometimes feel like that. Like, oh, I'm neglecting this and neglecting that. And it's like, but I'm focusing on something. So, yeah, it's a it's a journey. And that's why I, the way I see it. Just, you know, enjoy the flow. Enjoy. uh just enjoy the moment and like keep, you know, there's always time to go back and rehash things and all that. So you feel that yeah. way? I mean, even within parkour itself, if that's all you're doing, you're still going to be neglecting some aspect of it. Exactly. You yeah. know, so you can't really dwell. Parkour is just so huge, you know, just like so many options and opportunities of like skills to train, things to do and just like, what am I going to train this time? And it's like, bam, you know, sometimes don't even end up training what you wanted to train because you go up to a jam and people are doing other things. And then <laughs> you just completely blow away yeah. what you're going to do. And you're just like, oh, man, that looks like so much fun. And you join the crew and you're all just jumping around doing something totally else. And at the end of it, you're like, oh, shit, I didn't do what I wanted to do. And it's like, <laughs> exactly. and that's the thing with parkour. You know, it's just such a broad spectrum of movement. And there's just so many possibilities. That's what makes it so beautiful. Took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, your other hobbies. Um, how's your chess game? Oh, it's good. I've been really enjoying chess. Um, yeah, it's like 
whole new aspect and level of like mental development and growth, just learning the game and learning how fundamentals it works, like tactics and strategies, long-term, short-term, and there is such a deepness to it. And um, in the beginning, you're just learning basics, right? You're just learning how to move the pieces and kind of get a feel for the game. But, you know, just the more you get into it, it's just like, it's really something you can play forever kind of thing. Yeah. What was that show? Uh, Queen's Gambit? Queen. Yeah. No, a really good job of showing that. It's just so ridiculous. Yeah, and it's like fuck. They're they're on a whole other level. <laughs> it's like you know, I uh, and, I listen to that at work. I, I don't have the the privilege of watching things, but I listen to the programs, and it's oh, okay. they articulated it pretty well over audio. Like, oh um, yeah, it, I have a new appreciate. That's why I say that. How's your chess game? I have new have new appreciation for people that can burn calories on a fucking chessboard. Yeah, I think yeah. Like, it's mentally exhausting. Like it can be, you know, like when you're, especially when you're going back to back in a tournament or something like that, I'm sure like I've never been in a tournament myself for chess, but besides like homemade ones with friends and all that, yeah. like, you know, it is, it does get like mentally exhausting. It's like, you get like a workout out of it just with your mind. You can feel your brain flexing. <laughs> <laughs> Those, uh, brain, the mental six pack. That's right. <laughs> well, yeah, you definitely have them. Hey, uh, Go ahead, Tom. I was going to say, I've also been seeing you do a lot of electronics lately. Oh. Yeah. Um, well, I've been just doing, well, there's a whole movement going on called the uh, uh, right to know movement or some, a right to fix. And it's kind of like in the past 20 years, you know, corporations have made it extremely difficult to get the manuals and information how to fix and repair their electronics. Like, say, iPhone, for right. example, right? It's so um copyrighted and trademarked and hidden and all the privacy but now it's like you know it's not fair to the consumer who wants to actually like you know save money or they right. can't afford to upgrade a phone every year you should yeah. have that have that right to know how to fix our electronics and all that so an example is my tv i got like a 55 inch flat screen tv and it broke and so it's like oh man now i gotta go buy a new tv that's like 700 dollars. that's like that's way yeah. out of my budget right now i don't want to do that and so I just like looked up on YouTube, like tutorials, how to fix my TV. And sure enough, it was just one tiny little LED in the TV that went, that just fried. And so it's as a safety precaution, the entire TV shuts down and stops working oh. at 90% wow. of the time. That's why a TV stops working. So, uh, for like $12, I just replaced that <laughs> one LED and now like the TV works wow. again, fine, brand new. So it's like, instead of just Spending seven hundred dollars on a new TV, twelve dollars for the, just a little LED, and now boom, I'm yeah. back in business. So that's kind of the whole right to know movement, and it's like pretty blowing up now in popularity. And there's even like legislations being passed on it to stop corporations from hiding this kind of detailed information from people. But and it would stop. It would stop so much waste too. Exactly. Like, yeah. Hundred yeah. percent. Whole TV. Yeah. And where does that go? Right to a landfill and just oh, polluting yeah. the environment. Right. So. Uh, yeah, exactly. And um, so that's like applying to everything now. Like, you know, it's not just TVs and electronics, but any kind of thing you can think of. So I've been also learning mechanics and like fixing up cars and stuff, yeah. too. So, uh, again, you right. know, like mechanics are so expensive and they charge you $120 an hour to do like a brake job or something that you could do yourself. Like anyone can do a brake job. It's super easy when you learn how yeah. to do it. 
But if you don't know how to do it, it's going to be hard or it's going to be intimidating. I should say, you know, everything right. is intimidating the first time you do it, you know, like your first concrete, your first, you know, the first time you do that uh, Odina gap between the three rocks, you know, all that shit's <laughs> really scary the first time. Yeah. And then, you know, when you do it a couple of times now, suddenly like I haven't done the Odina jump there like in a year since last summer, but now I could just go up there and do it because I'm so comfortable. Like I know it, I'm not intimidated by it anymore. And so kind of the same principle, just crossing over to everything. Yeah, that's very, very true. How, how is, uh, like, you, you must have been learning a lot working on your van then, hey? Yeah, so, I mean, I went from, like, not being able to do an oil change to now, like, I've rebuilt a motor, and um, that was on my van. And then now um, my Jeep, my car is, like, starting to not really serve me well for work, so I need to upgrade my vehicle. So I got a Jeep that I, that's not safety, so I've been safetying it, learning how to change the control arms and tie rod ends and axles and all that. So Jeez. just been doing that, and, like, my ex-girlfriend's dad is a mechanic of 30 years, and he's a really friendly, nice, good-hearted guy. So he's been um, kind of mentoring me on that and helping me out a lot. So I really appreciate his help on that. And it really helps when you do have a mentor to teach you in any oh, yeah. field of life, really. <laughs> so I mean, You could be scrambling around for, like, you know, the rest of your life trying to figure something out that someone could yeah. show you in 10 minutes. Exactly. Right? Like... Yeah, and uh, so that's actually a good, that's actually an example of just right before we started this podcast was I was working on my Jeep and I was struggling to get this one bolt in and to like leverage the whole wheel down to like get this bolt through. And I'm like about to cry because I'm like literally 45 minutes fucking spending on this one bolt trying to get it through and I just can't get it through. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to be late for the podcast. I'm not even like like mentally ready for this now. Yeah. And then he, he, he walks in the garage and like he does it like this in like two seconds, just like boom, 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 does this, 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 that, boom, it's through. I'm like, oh my gosh. So, and then, so yeah, it's like, it really helps to have that kind of mentorship where someone just like shows you how to do it because it really does uh, save you time and energy expended on your own self so it's uh yeah. interesting wow, you're really and, um, like mentors in general i think is something we're just lacking in our society nowadays like back in the day if you look in the 60s or 50s or you know even earlier um everything was about apprenticeships and all that but not just apprenticeships but like social cues people would give right. you know social cues to like smarten up don't do this don't do that now generations these days are lacking those kind of social cues and now everyone's just getting into all kinds of troubles and people feel lost and they're just going in any direction and life itself is just kind of very changed as a society over the past you know century and wow. uh, you know one of those things is just you know we just have a lack of like role models in the world and people to like show us and guide us that like people had in the past that you know now we really need to kind of step up as our own generation for the next generation and kind of provide that mentorship that we lacked and that's kind of cool with parkour because when parkour first started we were the first gen right like there was no like youtube was just coming out it was just starting you know the yeah only only tutorial on youtube was like how to do a backflip right there's no other tutorial on anything <laughs> uh, maybe the old urban free flow ones yeah exactly so like you know that's like online mentorship now and that really probably helped and served a purpose on its own and helped a lot so uh, it's good to see those kind of things coming back nowadays with the internet and information distribution being so readily available yeah yeah that'll be good if uh you know education becomes more 
you know, accessible and accepted through mm-hmm. like online, you know, resources. Like you can get all the information in the world for free. You know, yeah. Why, why are you having to pay thousands and thousands of dollars? For, and I was just thinking about that. Yeah, I was just thinking about that the other week, and it was like, you know, YouTube is university on crack. Like I was watching a Stanford University lecture, and I'm like literally getting like a Stanford education on psychology. Yeah. <laughs> And it's just like, wow, man, like this ends are three hour long lectures. And, you know, it's like serious long lectures and fully detailed and everything. It's like, you know, there should just be like I can just apply for an online YouTube Google exam. And if I can ace this exam and, you know, prove I know the stuff, well, I know the stuff. And just like so, you know, it's just a piece of paper, like you said, right? If, you know, you know, you know what you're doing, then you know what you're doing. And so it's university itself just seems kind of like a money grab on its own. Yeah. Like I personally, I've taken like uh, like French language university course, and I've been doing a f- using a free app to learn another language now, and I feel like I've learned more in the free you app. know using a free app compared to an actual university course. Cool, you know, right? Like <laughs> yeah, and I mean yeah, and that's true because like uh, they did some research on uh, you know how do people learn languages like everyone's capable of learning a hundred languages it's about immersion uh immersing yourself into the actual um language itself in the sense that you're not just learning the words but you're interacting with the world around Mm -hmm. you with the words being exposed to you so i was doing spanish lessons on um what's it called rosetta stone which is like a program similar program app kind of thing and the way it focuses is like you're getting described like you see a baby drinking a glass of water and then it's just saying like you know they're drinking agua and then you kind of like associate agua with water and you slowly pick up in that kind of sense and that's how most people learn in general and that's how we learned our language that we speak today when we were kids and when we were just formulating and growing up is when no one was teaching us lectures and stuff on like in a school how to like learn english right you were just immersed in it and you got exposed to it and then you just picked up on it and if you lived in a household that spoke three languages you learn three languages. If you learned in a household, lived in a household that only spoke one language, you learned one language. And yeah. so everyone's capable of doing it. And just, uh, just a different way of learning. And um, yeah, they say, you know, school is tailored for like 10% of the population to learn because most, not very, not very many people are textbook reader type learners. You know, yeah. some right. people are visual learners. Some people are audible learners. Right. Some people like touch, they learn by touch yeah. and they, actually doing it and so you know the biggest kind of thing that the, even elon musk was saying talking about this um a couple of weeks ago and he's saying you know we need to have schools more tailored to incorporate all the different faculties of the five senses to in the learning because it would make it so much more immersive and it would help everyone as the populace learn better more effectively and not hate school because you know if you're going to hate school if you're not a textbook learner because that's not your style and then you're being forced into it graded and then you're being judged and all that and that's yeah. not your style of learning you're just gonna have a hard time and not enjoy it so Ain't that's that one thing i liked about parkour right yeah like i learned so much in the last year than all of the years of my life hmm. like i was just getting into audiobooks and listening to podcasts stuff that i wouldn't even normally listen to but like it just filled my head with other people's voices very cool yeah but you know like I say I read a book, but it's just, you know, audible, right? <laughs> but it's like I burn through these books so fast. And I put them at a, a speed and a half, too. Like, for some reason, I can't. I just, I need to 
to hear somebody talk really fast. And I think I'm yeah. that language too because some languages are really, really fast. And I like that. Just wait yeah. for another 10 years when we all have the neural link and you can just download oh, a book. Fuck yeah, isn't that a scary <laughs> thought, eh? No, but no. I think that'll actually... It'll make us dumber, but we'll have everything readily accessible. Because, like, your brain is wired that, you know, if it knows it can access, access something without having to memorize it itself, it yeah. actually retains it less because it's energy expenditure. And yeah. your brain is just wired to keep you expending as least amount of energy as possible. So that's why smartphones are dumb phones. Like, you got a smartphone, but dumb people. And so it's like, yeah, that's, you, can... you know, it's a catch-22 there where you, like, you know, the more you use your smartphone to gather information and use GPS on it, the less you're actually honing those skills for like actual like yourself like when your smartphone breaks you know you're gonna be more screwed in that sense yeah. when you don't have it and uh yeah it's an interesting concept that i've kind of been dabbling with because i've been reading um brian brian tracy's uh, accelerated learning techniques cool. and so this so he made this like ebook kind of thing with uh or an audible book um with some dude who spent like ten thousand hours just learning about memorizing um, stuff. Mm. So this dude memorized the entire Los Angeles phone directory from front to back. And this research scientist people would like ask him for a name and he would be able to say their phone number or they would give him a phone number from a random page in the whole Los Angeles directory. And he would be able to say whose name that phone number is linked to. And just like, that's a lot of people to remember, man. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. so they made a whole accelerated learning techniques program based off that and how you can improve your own learning techniques. And so one of the things they're saying is that, like, you know, if you're not a textbook reader, but you have to read a textbook, you know, read it once in the textbook, but then say it out loud once. Try to visualize once, you know, what they're actually saying and learn what's your better learning style, because the more you can incorporate different senses of your like bodily organ senses mm. into that set learning content the more likely right. you're going to be able to retain it long term. And so that's kind of like really interesting that I found and just like kind of been dabbling with that myself. It's really interesting stuff. I totally huh. got that. Yeah, I that's apply that to uh, a couple things in my life. Like I've never done plumbing before, mm. but I have to do it at my job. So it's okay. like, how do I do plumbing? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know how to do this stuff. And then at the end of the day, I'm a plumber. Yeah. <laughs> and then I take that plumbing knowledge and I apply it to my taxes. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just a different route and different ways to, like, you got to learn things. Maybe I'm just a late learner, too. Like, I'm 47 <laughs> learning this stuff right now, too. But, but if I well, was your age, you know, well, if I was your age, you know, they always say that. I'd be, like, so compact by now, you know what I mean? <laughs> It'd be great. Yeah, but yeah totally. You know, yeah, right. There is a, there's never a too late to learn. Speaking of which, uh, what's the latest book you've been reading? Latest book I've been reading is the Bhagavad Gita, which oh, yeah. is like Indian philosophy of uh, Hinduism and like Krishna and Arjuna. And so Arjuna is like kind of a self-representative of us as a people. And then so it's kind of talking about self-actualization of the individual and like finding inner peace and wisdom so it's all about uh the supreme uh understanding of yoga so yoga itself is kind of an interesting concept that uh you know we just see it as you know people you know girls in tight pants doing cool moves and shit you know, <laughs> nice pump. but you know there's a whole bigger aspect yeah. to it yes. that, you know you know been 
now if you don't look at the westernized version of yoga like there's right. so much more depth to it of the spiritual side of growth and all that and so um yeah it's been a, i'm only just at the start of it and i'm not really even far into it so i can't really mm. comment too much about it but the book i was reading right. before that was uh sophie's world and Hello. sophie's world um val val blant you guys know him from parkour val he gave Shout me the book as a gift. yes sir <laughs> val what's up um he gave me that book as a gift and I loved it. It's one of my favorite books. It kind of goes through the entire history of philosophy throughout all times and starts oh, wow. kind of, yeah, so it covers every single major philosopher from Socrates, Plato, Kant, uh, Sigmund Freud. Uh, it just goes on. The list is endless. There's like over a five, like 200 people they talk about. It's crazy. But <laughs> the book is dumbed down into children's form so that even a kid could understand <laughs> it. So it's a storybook. It's a novel. Yeah, and it's yeah. a novel about this girl named Sophie. And she's 15 years old. And she's just learning about philosophy now. And uh, it's uh, that was one of the best books I've read in a while. So I'd highly recommend mm. to anyone who's interested in philosophy, self-growth, understanding. Oh, pardon me. Uh, and all that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, so that was a really good book. And I'm really interested to read now the Bhagavad Gita and get a better understanding with yoga itself as well. Because, uh, yeah. yeah, I've been, you know... Parkour is movement, and it's a specific type of movement, but in the sense, you know, it's all, in the end, uh, I'm more interested in the, in the whole spectrum of movement, not just parkour. So martial arts, street workout, yoga now, uh, rock climbing. So these are all different kinds of movement, but it all comes down to the same thing, you know, just being active, getting out there and pushing your mental limits and pushing your physical limits and finding harmony between the two. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, some of us, we're very capable in doing something physically but we're not capable of doing it mentally in our mind which is what stops us and other people you know sometimes right. they're mentally really strong like mentally some people have no fear you know like you look at uh yeah. like some of those people that just literally just huck you know they'll huck a move and they don't even care you know they'll just throw it and it's like wow you know you're crazy and like they might not be physically ready for it but yeah mentally they they're they're solid you know they got strong mental game or their minds just wired so crazily that they don't even care but i don't know you know that's a whole other thing <laughs> everyone's different <laughs> but you get what i'm saying on that point so um yeah stride into floral smokes floral smokes if you want to try something different try something new floral smokes on instagram at the wolf now it's t.h.e.w.o.l.f.e. I'm seeing the Instagram right now, and it says the Wolf brand floral smokes, the mod way to smoke. Flavorful, medical, handcrafted, made with Canadian grown organic herbs, no tobacco or cannabis. If you mention the QCast, you get 15% off your order. Let us know how you like them. Now, We'll use a flyway back into the podcast. All right. Uh, next question is uh, following the Bhagavad the Gita and all the uh, Sophie's world. What is your philosophy? Ooh, that's a good question. My philosophy would be kind of still in production. I'm still not completely set on anything. I've tried to be... Uh, um, open to different ideas and subjects and not close my mind off to anything so i don't see myself as an atheist or a believer in god or anything i'm kind of still in a learning process mode of i'm open to um experiencing the world for what it is and the more i read these philosophical books the more it actually makes me continue to be that way of just yeah. uh, 
as we were kind of talking in the little break there, just like, you know, people as societies continually change and morph their world perspective based off their current times and off past experience of other people's times and what they've written and discussed. But we're always going to just continue to change and have different um, perspectives on things. And really the interesting, uh, this guy, I can't remember, he's some Canadian philosopher, actually, or some Canadian writer. And he said something of the meaning of life is uh, something that people are always trying to find out. What is the meaning of life? Why are we here? And all that jazz. And it's uh, so a lot of people's search and quest is to find the meaning of life. But the more important thing is to find the experience in life. So the real reason people are looking for the meaning of life is because they're not experiencing life fully. And uh, to mm. really fully experience what it is to live and have an appreciation for life and have an appreciation for death will really make you more appreciate life itself while you're on the planet. And um, I'm totally saying this like kind of dumbed down because I can't really say it to the level, can't remember how he said it specifically, but it's yeah. like, you know, just um, until you face death and actually like experience death and you'll never really understand what it is to live and so that's why some people go on those ayahuasca ceremonies and crazy kind of like trips and stuff like that with like hallucinogenics to try. And some, you know, hey, you have these crazy experiences. Sometimes. I know some people. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, when you can really experience or like have like a near death situation, it'll give you such a bigger appreciation for life itself because you'll have um, firsthand experience of that kind of a concept. And when you don't have a first-hand experience about it and you just like you see someone you love die that's a wake-up call you know you have emotional turmoil from that but it's not till your own soul goes through such a process that you can really be like wow you know we all really we have this one life and we really have to live it and um that's kind of why i just i'm dabbling in so many hobbies is like life is so short and there's so much to do in life and you know so many people just specialize in one thing and so yeah. one of my old coaches you know portal was talking about how you know in general people are specialists in this world and specialists are so important and they're so fantastic because specialists have created the modern world we live in today the yeah. people who specialized in electronics or specialized in medical healthcare and specialized in their fields made tremendous breakthroughs but at what cost and that cost was their humanity humans in general throughout history we've been generalists you know we've been tribal living in you know forest and nature like all other animals and we had general styled lives but now as we specialize more we gain more prog progress for society but we lose what it is to be human that's, and, um, that's true it definitely mm -hmm. goes against the, like kind of our our nature in a way right yeah so you know that really stuck with me and i i really like that and how he described that and so i really chose myself to not be a specialist and to just be more of a generalist and to enjoy life for what it is because I don't really care about specialized being the best at parkour or being the best at something you know you see some of these people they're just so obsessed with just one thing and it over it consumes their life and we always mm -hmm. hit a burn we'll hit a burnout eventually right like yeah I'll yeah. hit that burnout point we're just like oh you know maybe I'll go try something else maybe I'll just dabble. Get it. Yeah. Yeah, and like it's natural, and that's because you're human. <laughs> and, and what it is to be human is to err and to experience, and you want to experience all things, not just one thing. And so, um, have you me, found? Sorry, what? I was just gonna say, have you found that like experiencing more things is actually, you know, 
helped like when you've come back to like another activity that you've actually still progressed at it just because of your other experiences oh for sure like uh there's so many crossovers in uh, life and in general um you know obviously this is a parkour podcast we'll talk about parkour um street workout martial arts like dance dance you got to learn about footwork footwork is so critical in dancing and so the more i learned about dance and salsa and different kinds of step methods and all that translated into my footwork in parkour and with street workout just getting stronger physical strength and being more endurance wise and kind of Mm -hmm. getting that more muscle mass made it easier for me to do some moves in parkour as well so and then as martial arts as well you know all these kind of movement-based activities really crossed over into each other but then also on the mental side and the philosophical side i was able to more look at things with new approaches and be less hard on myself when i mess up a move or i don't get that move i've been trying to land you know for like the whole day at the odina circle you know i'm like trying to do this one thing right and i'm just like oh you know like why can't i do it and i see someone else do it whatever and then like you know it kind of hurts you more too you're like oh you know they did it like i should be able to do this and then that pushes you to like do risky shit sometimes, relax, yeah. yourself, right? <laughs> like when I was in Paris, I was like, okay, so in Paris, uh, some girl broke my heart. And mm. so I was all really sad and like emotionally distraught. And I was like, fuck it, I'm running away to California. And so I, I call up Mark. So I call up Mark and I'm like, hey, Mark, what's a good DSLR camera for me to buy? Because I'm going to go run away to California. I don't want to be in Winnipeg. And he's like, oh, forget California. Just come to Lisbon, Portugal. And I was like, okay. So the next day I bought a ticket. <laughs> and like literally in one day I left. So I just like wow. left the next day. I just bought a ticket, got went to Toronto and I went to Lisbon, Portugal the next day. And I was out there. Yeah. And then so me and Mark had a great time and uh, we just like did our own parkour things and then kind of the trip ended where he had to go back to Canada. So I was just on my own out there, but I was still just an emotional wreck and now I'm just by myself out there. So I had no support, no like real friend basis. And I'm just like, okay, let's go to Paris. And so I went to Paris and at that time I was reading a lot of Bruce Lee books. And, uh, one of the books he was saying, like, they're talking about like when he was running with someone and someone was like running with them and they're panting and they can't run anymore. And they're like, ah, ah, and he's like, and he's like, you know, if you can't run anymore, then die. And he's like, that kind of mentality of just like, you know, push yourself to that limit of just like, keep going hard, you know, keep going and push through it. And so I was like, Oh, "Oh," you know, and then, so I, you know, and then for fast forward, here's me in Paris at this wall. I'm like, Hey, let's climb this wall. And then, so I'm climbing the wall and I get to the top and like, I can't even reach. I'm like so close to reaching the top. I'm like inches away. Right. So I'm like, Oh, I'll just try and do a dyno and reach this top. And I had that mentality in my mind of like Bruce Lee. And so that was really what pushed me to like, instead of climbing down, I had to just commit. So I went for the dyno and then I fell and I messed up and I ended uh, up, you know, shattering my heel and like semi-fractured it, whatnot and all that. And just had that whole story of me like bailing and messing up my heel. And it's because I was in an emotionally turmoiled state. And with that, you know, you're not clear headed, you're not thinking properly. And, you know, so I was young. And as you know, when you're young, you're more likely to yeah. just do, do things like that that are risky, uncalculated because... You're just in that kind of mindset anyway as a youth. You're still exploring and growing in the world. And so all that kind of just led up to that event. That's why I fell. That's why I went for that. And looking back on it now, I can say, oh, that was dumb and I shouldn't have done it. But, you know, in that state and in that mind frame, you know, I did the thing that was best for me at that time. And I'm just lucky the injury wasn't worse and that it could have been worse. And so, um, 
you know, me and Mark had been training parkour, like literally a month straight, like jumping around in like Lisbon and Cambridge and training with Eric McCamishton and Chase Armitage and like all these crazy dudes. Right. So like Damn. we're training with all these legends and like it was every day back to back parkour for six hours to eight hours a day. So <laughs> both of our heels and both of our knees were just toast. Like we we're just yeah. like, you know, man, I'm so sore, but we got to train. <laughs> and it was like the mentality was like, let's just train. You're like, you're so sore. You didn't even give your body a moment of rest. And not only yeah. a moment of rest, but every night we're out drinking and partying with like these legends. And it's like, man, we're hanging out with these parkour legends, just like drinking it up and smoke. You know, I didn't know like Ryan Doyle smoked weed till like, he's like passed me a joint and he's like, nice. you want to smoke this? And I'm like, are you for real? You smoke weed, man? So I'm like, holy shit. So I was like, of course I got to smoke a joint with Ryan Doyle. And so like, it was just like this crazy concept, right? Just like train all day and just party all night. And so we have no time to recover. And the nutrition side wasn't really there either to help with it. <laughs> uh, oh, travel know, diets are the worst. Yeah, travel diets are pretty tough to maintain sometimes. And so all that really led up to, you know, my body wasn't physically strong enough to, like, you know, take that landing. But, like, had I been in a better um, you know, nutritional-wise and not, like, over-exhausted and everything, I don't think I would have shattered my heel on that drop because it wasn't that high it was like two stories and we take two story drops all the time and you see people now doing like three and four story drops and it's crazy how people you know and it's because you know they're nutritionally and healthily health wise like ready for it right but if you're out partying every day and training every day for a month straight you're probably not going to be at that peak level that you could be at and so yeah yeah so i don't know so it's kind of my story about that <laughs> makes for a good story now bro yeah no problem good, good memories now right <laughs> exactly yeah, I, I believe if, if people want they can actually go find the video of that fall can't they yeah it's on the original team modus youtube channel <laughs> really yeah uh, that channel's still up you can find it there nice. it's yeah. like just like youtube nino falls 100 meters from the eiffel tower yeah, <laughs> a lot of people didn't like that title either. They're like, "You didn't fall 100 meters." It's like I'm 100 meters away from the Eiffel Tower. <laughs> the Eiffel Tower. <laughs> I'm like right, like, and you can see the Eiffel Tower in like one of the, yeah. the GoPros on my head. And as yeah. I'm climbing the wall, I kind of yeah. look to the right, and as I look to the right, you can see the Eiffel Tower right there, just like 100 meters away. But uh, yeah, it was like you can go search most, that video. The most clickbaity title possible. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> well, that's it. what it's about, right? You gotta get them views. <laughs> We're, that's when we were trying to get that Team Modus, uh, you know, up in up in the world there. Yeah, oh man, way back in the day there, old school. It was good. For its I time. miss those times. I think I still have the Team Modus shirt that we like used Mark stencil and spray painted the Team Modus oh, yeah. logo. I might have it somewhere. I'm assuming. I don't know. It could be. Still remember it by memory Definitely. though. I'm pretty sure I still have a couple. Nice. Team Otis, all right. <laughs> um, yeah. Where'd it go from here? How, besides that trip there, like, that was... Jeez, how long ago was that, do you think? Five years ago? Longer? Pretty sure 2015. Yeah? So years now, that's pretty crazy. Have, have you done much other traveling for parkour stuff well i mean yes um 
obviously whenever I go to Bosnia to visit my family, I'm doing parkour out there. And then uh, I went to eight and eight with the Calgary trip we did back in the day. Right. And that was one of my favorite parkour spots. So when we're doing like, what's your favorite parkour spot? That's got to be one of them. It's just eight and eight was just such a cool, legendary spot. And I heard they were about to tear it down or something like the city was thinking of yeah. like moving it. I don't know if it got removed or not. I really I, hope I think not. it did by now. Yeah. Oh, oh no, that's really sad news. But uh, yeah, that was like one of the most coolest places I'd been in Canada wise, besides the Odina. Um, there's a place also in Toronto somewhere. It was pretty cool. Uh, I used to live in Hamilton, Ontario for a bit, so I was out there quite often, and Hamilton had some cool spots, too. Uh, Wasn't geez. there a cool spot in the, the Bosnian woods? Yes, uh, so my friend, oh, I gotta plug in my computer, one sec, battery's dying. Yeah, so in, uh, in uh, Bosnia there in Tuzla, just kind of outside the city perimeter, there, my buddy built a built his own custom parkour park uh and it's just like in the middle and it's just in the middle of the bush and just absolutely nowhere it's pretty crazy actually it's like a big valley dip and you're just like in the bottom of this valley and it's like mountains everywhere around you but it's all green right you can't see anything else but just like luscious grass and flowers and stuff growing and um that was so cool unfortunately when i went to visit it my acl was torn because i had torn my uh, ACL knee ligaments and my MC, uh, my meniscus a bit from a jump I did here in Winnipeg at the Odina Circle. So I tore my knee ligaments and then oh, yeah. went to uh, visit out there. So the video I made kind of sucked because I couldn't do everything I wanted to do or to really train at my limit because I had to take care of my knee. So I was like missing half my knee there. But uh, <laughs> now that I got like knee surgery and I'm back healed and stuff, I can't wait to go back there and actually like throw down some moves. And uh, look forward to that. It's such a beautiful place. And it's just so serene and calming. Because it's like you feel like you're hiking in nature. And actually how you get there is you have to hike through like literally right. through some really sketchy woods and stuff. And then you're like hiking and hiking through all these like really sketchy, scary looking woods. And then out of nowhere, this huge, huge pasture just opens, right? And it's just grass, just a huge open field. And then you just see the park there. And it's just chilling. <laughs> Living its best life just there. And uh yeah, that was actually really cool. And uh, shout out to Boris for uh, making that park. He's he's like really good parkour athlete, lives out in Bosnia there and just throws down hard. He's one of those guys that has no mental fear. So he's just like, <laughs> he'll just throw, he'll throw something, totally mess up and fail and just get up like it's no big deal. And like, he'll go do it again. He doesn't get mental blocks. He's a pretty crazy guy. Man. He's got one, one of those dudes. Russian. <laughs> it's just straight <laughs> Russian, you know. <laughs> what what was the jump that you were doing when you got your ACL injury? Uh so you know those two rocks that uh you can kind of do cat to cat between. Um it's like one of the smaller cat to cats. And uh or you can just do precision jumps. How do I describe it? Jeez. Um I have the actual video. I can show you the video of it and send you that. Um, I think it's the one closest to the spaghetti factory. Mm, like where you can run up the wall and like... Where's the kinda, spaghetti factory? Kind of tack to the... Oh, not that one. No, 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 no. It's actually on the complete opposite end of okay, that one. Oh, there so, yeah. so the bigger so it's one like, there. You know that... Yeah. Uh, it's like, you know, where like the trail kind of ventures off towards the new kids park past the youth museum 
Yeah. yeah. There's like, and then there's like those two rocks there where you can uh, jump between. So oh, I was yeah, doing yeah. the run up. Yeah. So I was doing the running up the wall and then cat leap to the other wall right. or arm jump, arm jump. Right. And then yeah. so it's like run up, arm jump, muscle up, then you pre pre. And then so I was doing it there. And uh, when I did my precision back over, I just had too much momentum and I didn't stick it. I just kept going forwards. And then so I was going right towards the bushes. And, right. uh, Instead of going into the bushes, I turned midair to try to hit the grass. And as I hit the grass, I just heard my knee pop 10 times. Oh, like, pop, 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 pop. And then and now I'm trying to do a parkour roll. So it's like I'm in mid-parkour roll trying to get into the roll. And all I hear is just my knee popping out. And then I just finish my roll and I stand up. And I'm like, oh, like I could just feel it go jelly. And it's just like jello. And then I like... Uh. I kind of, oh. I limp over, I limp over to where Val was, because it was me and Val just chilling there, and uh, I'm like, bro, I think I just broke my knee. He's like, you look fine to me, bro. <laughs> and I'm like, no, man, my knee is up. <laughs> and uh, so I limp over, and uh, Mark was, uh, it was like the first time I met Felicia, actually, but Mark and Felicia were doing some rock climbing stuff at the Big Odina Rock, like the three jumps. And then so they were like there and then uh, that's where I met her for the first time and Mark was there and they were just doing their own thing. But I was like, bro, I messed up my knee and he's like, oh, no. And then Gosh. I just walked over to my car and left and when I was getting in the car. I made it worse by I opened up my door and like obviously when you're getting into your car and you're the driver's side, you put in your right leg in first to sit down right. and it was my left knee. So I put all the weight on my left knee to put oh, my no. right leg into the car. And then I heard it again, just pop! And they're like, oh, no! And it hurt even more. And I, that was the first time I ever saw stars and, like, white vision. So, like, my vision literally went white. Wow. And I, like, saw stars. And that's the first time that's ever happened to me. And then, so I think that actually, like, finished the tear. So it was probably, like, right. partially teared at first. But then that, like, yeah. finished it off for me. And then wow. I got home, went home, showered, and, like, ice water and started icing it. And then I didn't go to the doctor for a month because I was like, oh, it'll heal on its own. And then after like a month of it not healing, I'm like, oh, okay, maybe I should see a doctor. And then they're like, oh, yeah, you definitely have no ACL. And I'm like, no, you lie. I don't believe you. And then he's like, yeah, we'll take you for an MRI and make sure. And then the MRI weights are crazy. It's like seven yeah. months just to get an MRI. And Thank I had to go to Bosnia. I was going to Bosnia the next month anyway. So when I was in Bosnia, uh, the healthcare you can actually pay for healthcare. It's like yeah. not not socialist healthcare. But right. um, so I just went and. Uh, paid 50 bucks and got a MRI the next day. So it was like $50. $50. Yeah, so $50. I got my MRI the next day and I got the results and sure enough, my uh, knee was torn. I still have, they even gave me the MRI on a disc. And oh, so I, I actually have all the images of the yeah. MRI scan, which is pretty cool. getting ripped off here. Yeah. yeah, so I brought that disc back here to Canada and gave it to the doctors here and then they're like, oh, okay, then yeah, let's put you in for surgery and then yeah, I had to wait like six, seven months for the surgery and got it done and uh, that was in January of 2019, and uh, yeah, because I had gone to Bosnia in 2019 there, and uh, in the summer. So yeah, nice. or no, 2018. Sorry, January. I went in the summer that... of 2018, and then January 2019 is when I had the oh, surgery. Or, or no, geez, my timeline is totally messed up here. You know what? Don't ask me about timelines. <laughs> I think it was 2017. Surgery was in 2018, and then. Because I'm just basing it off my best, my best friend died in 2019. So yeah, it would have to be one year before. So it's 2018. So 2018 was when I had the surgery. 2017 right. was when I tore my knee. So basically, 
May or yeah, about May uh, 28, 2017 is when I tore my knee. And yeah, so now like two, three years later, I'm finally like fully recovered to a degree. Like sometimes I still feel like knee aches, knee soreness in that surgery leg and mm. especially in the patellar tendon area for some reason because right. my, my patellar tendon wasn't touched at all during the surgery and like it wasn't used in it. They used a graft of my hamstring to create a new ACL. So they actually took yeah. a piece of my hamstring off my leg and made a whole new ligament and stuck nice. it up in. Wow. Yeah. So it's kind of weird at first, like, you know, I could like touch my leg, my hamstrings and like, I could feel this big gap on my left side where my right side, had muscle, <laughs> you know, and like, it's just, it's not there. I'm like, this is so, so weird. It is that it's kind of, it's really weird. And, uh, but now even the scars are healing up. Like I don't even see the scars on my knee anymore. So the surgeon was really good. It was Dr. James Longstaff and he did a pretty good job. So I'm impressed. I was pretty skeptical at first because my first surgery and I'm all like really scared and anxious about it, but he did a good job. Yeah. Do you notice a difference in your ham, like hamstrings now? Yes. So um, sometimes I'll feel uh, my left hamstring just pulls and I get like a real tightness and it'll oh. just give up. It'll give up. Uh, like I'll have to stop training sooner. So when I'm like going, like before I could just go hard forever until I'm just tired. But now like sometimes it's not me that's getting tired. It's my left hamstring that's getting tired. So I'll be more likely mm -hmm. to give out before the rest of my body. Right. So I got to be more like, patient and aware of it but since i've been now doing like deadlifts and squats again and like reincorporating the olympic lifting uh it's been getting stronger and the endurance on it's improving as well one thing i want to work on is more that happens when i'm sprinting and especially for um strides so i'm doing parkour strides and like those yeah. big the big long ones is when i really have to be careful and so that's a real unfortunate because strides are so fun and so useful but um, that's the biggest concern for me for my hamstring. It's not like the stride itself. It's my hamstring right. getting out mid stride and me just like, oh, oh. You know? then you just flop. Right. Yes. So uh, one one uh, YouTube channel actually that uh, Tyrion had brought to our attention on here was uh, knees, over uh, knee, knees over toes. Have you yeah. been look, looking at that? Uh, yeah, channel? I actually stumbled across the same guy as well a year ago or a year and a half ago. And um, very interesting concepts that the guy discusses and talks about and uh kind of made me re um change some biases i had on the squat so i was right. very i was very over uh knees over toes for my squats like don't let your knees track past your toes yeah but you know they talk about the chinese squat and we're like you know they squat on their only on their toes with no weight on the heels and we when we're squatting with like uh, a little olympic squat with like weight on your back you're squatting through your heels not your toes so it's very yeah. opposite and um, yeah. that guy kind of talks about both and the different aspects of you know even training the chinese squat and all that and so i've been incorporating some of that stuff too just like practicing the chinese squat more and um it's kind of interesting i'm seeing you know at first it was really tough and it hurt but now it, yeah. it's actually conditioning itself to be like stronger and feels more comfortable so yeah. that guy definitely has some interesting wisdom to share yeah. and seems to have a lot of testimonial results too so that's you know bonus to the cake there uh, you like, really got testimonials too of people <laughs> i've been wanting to be able to do like the nordic curls for a long time but now after watching some of his videos it's like oh yeah i really want to get <laughs> what's the nordic curl like that's where your your feet are strapped down so your body oh, like right. goes oh okay. forward, i call that and you have to pull yourself back up yeah glued hamstring raise is what i call that gsr or yeah. sorry, GHR. 
Uh, that's yeah, also called a, a, nerd, a Nordic curl. Nordic curl. Neat. Yeah, yeah. yeah those are really fun. Uh, Edo Portal had me doing those quite a bit. And I just started incorporating those lately and like getting back into it. Since I like, I worked for my deadlift threshold, just do deadlifts a bit, get my hamstrings strong again. And then, because that Nordic curl is considered one of, like, one of the top hamstring exercises. It really isolates your hamstring and your glutes. Like crazy. Like crazy. Yeah. And you can feel it. And so now that I'm actually able to do it again, it's like a good sign that my hamstring is getting, getting strong again. And one cool thing that the surgeon told me is, you know, 10% out of people that get a hamstring graft knee surgery regrow, yeah. regrow that hamstring tendon that they Wait, really. Took. So it's actually possible for your body to regrow back that tendon that they took. Yeah. And obviously huh. that's, that's for the athlete that actually commits to training and like, you know, right. strengthening right. and growing their hamstrings and all that. And I have been so, and I do feel like, I don't feel that gap anymore in my knee. So I think it's coming back. <laughs> which You'll be in that 10%. Yeah. So it feels yeah. nice. And like, I just, you know, it feels good to just like, know I, my body can regenerate itself and recover on its own like that too. It's neat. So. Yeah. It's amazing what, what the body can really like recover from. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and there's people with crazier stories than me, like full spinal surgeries and stuff. And now they're Olympic athletes. And it's just like, wow. You know, yeah. From wheelchair. There to, yeah. To training. And just mindset and attitude. Mindset. It's, it's, yeah. it's all mental, right? We live in a, they say the physical world is the lowest plane of interaction. We have mental, spiritual, physical, but you know, the physical plane is really what we experience and what we're, daily day-to-day life you know interacting in so we get so absorbed in the material world but everything that mm. happens in the material world and physically is occurring from your mind and it's your senses that you know pick up the world that we live in and like they say you know like your eyes can only see like one like five percent of like the light right. spectrum or whatever right so yeah. it's like there's a whole 95 percent of the light spectrum that we can't even visibly see or interact with so it's like who knows what kind of things are going on in the world right. that we're not even aware of right yeah. So it's just like, you know, we we're limited as humans. We have our limits, but yeah. we have a subjective cognitive bias to think that, you know, those, you know, this is everything because we're so used to it. And repetition is the mother of all things. And so when you're repetitively just living on this plane of existence, it's really hard to get into those higher faculties of right. experience. And so, yeah, it's just, you know, mental mindset really tri- triumphs physical mindset. And so when the stronger your ma- mental attitudes are, the stronger you'll be able to overcome anything in the physical reality. I agree with that. That's, that's deep. <laughs> that's some, <laughs> some knowledge there. Thanks. <laughs> right on. Dino dropping it. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Refreshing. Well, um... You got more, any more questions here, Christy, or should we uh, go, go for a top five? Well, I, um, I got a couple more questions. Uh, what, yeah. was the last, what was the last song you learned on the guitar? Oh, um, Big Red by Martin Robbins, I think his name was. It's an old school song, or Big Iron, sorry. Marty Robbins, Big Iron. And then it's just like an old 60s kind of cowboy song, and it's <laughs> freak, friggin' awesome. Cool. So I've been really, I've been really into storytelling. Uh, so storytelling is how humans naturally orally spread history throughout times before written uh, documents existed and written history. 
And so orally, the best way humans memorize things, so back to the memory thing from earlier, is stories. And so stories have the most powerful impact on us, which is why a lot of marketing research companies are now trying to incorporate stories into their ads because those are the highest selling clickbait ads is when you have a story in your advertisement that someone can relate to on an emotional level, they're going to be 20 times more likely to at least check out your product, let alone buy it. And mm. so... Um, yeah, and so storytelling itself is just really powerful and invoking on a spiritual sense. And so I really like storytelling songs. And so another one is Highwaymen by, uh, oh gosh, I forgot their names. But it's got like Johnny Cash and yeah. a whole bunch of other dudes. But So it's like, I was a highwayman. Yeah. And then so that's a really good song, one of my favorite songs. Just absolutely love it. Again, it's storytelling about four yeah. different four different people and their lives as, you know, either a bandit or a coal mine not a coal mine a water worker uh dam builder whatever and um so all these different stories of people that have gone throughout history and you know their their lives and all that and so it's very interesting i really resonated with that song and found it deep and powerful so yeah, uh those I are the two songs song. yeah really it's, song. it's awesome um, the drop of rain gets me every time yeah single drop of rain <laughs> I'm just like, you got it! Get me every time! <laughs> that's hilarious. Well, um, right on, that's cool. You're, you're so interesting. Hey, um, do you model at all? I used to. I did modeling and then I did a bit of acting as well. So I went in Vancouver years ago to try and pursue acting. And then I had an acting agent and I was getting commercial gigs, but then my mom's mental health kind of fell down. I had to come back to Winnipeg to take care of my mom. And uh, so unfortunately that fell through. And, but I was doing some modeling stuff too, which was really fun and in Toronto, especially. So like that one wow. show with like the sword on the rooftop and I all that. that yeah. So that was like some really fun times and I really loved being in, I love to pursue it more and get back into that kind of thing. But you know, in time, perhaps. <laughs> right now, my life journey is going elsewhere. So, um, yeah. Well, uh, you're a role model for a lot Thanks. of people. Just saying. Well, thank you. I try to be, I want to be like a positive influence to, you know, as many people as I can. Because even in my own social friend circles, I'm the one who like first started working out, first started going training. So, uh, like, you know, back in the day when we were all teenagers, for example, you know, my teenage life was very dysfunctional i came from a dysfunctional family grew up going to a school where everyone's doing drugs all the time and partying and that was the norm and had no real role models back then myself so you know our role model back then was 50 cent and g unit so you know oh, what, yeah, were right. we, <laughs> what, what, what were we up to you know it, it was drugs yeah. and fighting and like getting into crime and like you name it you know we've been arrested so many times and gone to jail and all that so it was like it's no fun but um looking back and then so how it all changed was you know when i was about 17 well i was like 15 16 i figured i started to figure out something's wrong with the world and what's you know what's going on in the world and then i kind of got into like conspiracy theories and started learning about like 9 11 and stuff like that and it's like you know and there's a really funny video on youtube if you go find it's called the story of 9 11 and it's a parody comedy and it's absolutely hilarious and it's all based on the actual factual government narrative of what happened for 9-11 and like it will make you piss yourself laughing like the way they like it. structure this video is just so absurdly funny Stupid, that like yeah. you know what's more likely people making mad money and power controls to go bomb iraq for oil or 
you know, some stripper, you know, some fucking terrorists that were hanging out with pink haired strippers doing cocaine while they're religious fundamentalists that don't do drugs and going hijacking planes in the most sophisticated airspace on all the planet. It's like, what's more like, you know, it's, it's, like, it's so funny. You're going to like piss yourself laughing when you see this video and it really makes you question it. Right. But anyway, so I was 15 years old and I was really trying to figure out what's going on in the world. Why is the world so messed up and wrong? And um, it led me on this whole journey of like, you know, the food, big food, big pharma, all these big corporations that are just absolutely profiting off people um, for their benefits and like how they're just kind of manipulating the world. And, you know, it's not it's not that they're evil or there's some kind of Illuminati. It's just that there's people making money and they're making money through exploitation. And so it's, uh, you know, there you can get into the conspiracy side where you get really into like, you know, stupid shit like QAnon. But then you can also like <laughs> really you know there's a real side to it too and there, there's uh, actual like you know you know if you just follow the money trail that's all you have to do is just follow right. the money the money that. will the money will show you the truth and so um that's anywho so i was like 15 16 i was kind of questioning my own life and what's going on with the world and that's what made me change and realize you know all this food like mcdonald's and stuff is so toxic and poison it's not even real food and uh, it's made of like plastic and shit, you know, like to a degree, not actually, but don't yeah. sue me, don't sue me, McDonald's. But um, yeah, like, you know, um, so I got really into health and uh, just interested in improving my own health. And I started learning Kung Fu. So, you know, back then we we're all doing drugs and partying. So I was like hanging out with friends and we watched uh, Jackie Chan movie and it was Drunken Master. And it was my first time ever seeing Drunk nice. Drunken Master. And I loved the movie and just like fell in love with the idea of learning Kung Fu. So I Googled Drunken Master Winnipeg and ended up finding my teacher, uh, Josh, uh, Sifu Josh Schaefer. And so he was just a phenomenal Kung Fu teacher and like really into it. Like it's his life, you know, he's a specialist and he specializes right. in Kung Fu and he just absolutely adores it. Yeah. And um, so I joined his class and started learning and I loved it too. I just fell right into it. This is my, so before this, I had no physical hobbies you know all we did was just party smoke weed do drugs fight each other getting crime and you know all these kind of fun things and so doing this was the complete opposite spectrum of just like wow you know like there's a whole other area to life that i've been missing and i could finally feel that like happiness that i had been missing and i had a positive role right. model and he was a very positive role model to me and a good influence on me to you know, you know get my shit together left for a lack of better term and um so i was really you know my friends would be i had roommates that were living in my basement and they would be doing ecstasy and cocaine and i'd be upstairs in my room by myself doing kung fu forms practicing these kung fu forms. <laughs> you know my so, friends were all so yeah that's when my life started to change and like so i didn't want to do drugs anymore i didn't want to do those kind of things or like just be in substance abuse and in that bad mindset so I really started to change my life around then. And that was uh, in November when I was 17 years old. So like November 2009, 2010, I don't know, around then. But I was 17 years old and it was in November. And then my friend, one of the friends that was doing drugs downstairs, he's like, Nino, come see this video. And I, I'm like, okay. So I stopped my Kung Fu form and I go downstairs and it was a parkour video. And I was like, what is this? He's like, bro, you would love this, man. Look, check this out. I was like, your Kung Fu shit, but like, running and jumping around doing flips. <laughs> wow so instantly i gravitated to the video and just like oh. fell in love with the concept of parkour and so i was like wow i need to learn this right now and so i googled <laughs> parkour and 
I found the Winnipeg parkour drop-ins at Fantastics Gymnastics. And so, um, you know, we're 17 years old. I live on the other side of the city. I don't have a car. My mom won't drive me there. So I had the bus there. The bus there was two and a half hours. So you had to catch three buses. And so I'd catch one bus to downtown, another bus to Lake Pemina, and then another bus to Lake Pemina and Bishop Grandin or something. I can't remember. But uh, me and Cody Gabosh actually went together. And so we, we would bus together down all the way to Pemina and Bishop and then we'd walk all the way down Bishop Grandin from Pemina down to Waverly which was another half an hour yeah it's you know, a long walk, walk yeah it's a long so we would walk all the way there and that's when Tyler Krishan was teaching the classes and uh it was super oh, cool really? hey, yeah. Yeah. so that was when it was first back in the day there so like Tyler yeah. there He's the first person to ever teach me how to do a vault. And so wow. he had that. Yeah, I remember the class still today, like it was yesterday. But, you know, we walked in and we were super stoned, man. We were smoking joints on the way on the walk down. And we came in. We were those kids that came in just reeking like weed. You know, everyone's looking at us like, who are these punks, right? And like, but uh, <laughs> we uh, and we had like, we'd all gather in a circle. We'd do our warm up, some stretching, some running around. And then people would go off and do their own thing. But then he had us beginners go up to these vault boxes on the left side, closer to the wall. And then he taught us how to do the three basic vaults. And then basically that's all we just did the whole time. We just practicing these vaults and training and kind of learning how to do a front flip into the big matted area by the balance beams over there. And yeah, I remember that it was just such a great time and absolutely fell in love with parkour. So yeah, from that good, point on classes yeah and i miss it like you know and that's when parkour was really alive in winnipeg i would say but i'll get I to agree. that in, I'll, I'll get to that in a sec so um we're so after that you know i fell in love with parkour and the martial arts and i was training ham every day just going hard and then i was like man i need to improve you know like uh, like i want to be like goku so for me my inspirational role model was goku you know so that's like the one role model father figure that i've always had throughout my ages so i really wanted to be like him so i gotta get ripped so i gotta get training and get strong and learn to fight and all that so let's do it and so i tried p90x and that was my first ever workout program or just working out in general and uh, i didn't like it much like it was fun and i enjoyed it and i could obviously tell that it's a hurdle to overcome and get used to this whole process of training but uh, it just wasn't for me, like, in a sense. And then I found out about street workout in calisthenics. I saw Hannibal for King on YouTube. And I was like, holy oh, yeah. shit, this guy's jacked. You know, like, everyone remembers Hannibal for King if you yeah. remember back in 2011. Oh, yeah. 2011 was, like, far stars, you know? It's like, totally... everyone, yeah, and it's just, like, legend, man. Like, holy crap. So this guy is just doing planche push-ups and dips, like, planche into a dip over a P-bar. And you're just like, how is this even possible? You know, like, literally superhuman strength, so... Yeah. That guy inspired like literally tens of millions of people to start training. So that guy's like a true phenomenal legend on his own. But yeah. um, so he inspired me too. And so I started, so I kind of gave up on the P90X program and it's like, oh, this isn't for me. That's okay. And so I got into more heavily into calisthenics and street workout. And uh, so I just been training the three, you know, parkour, martial arts and Cali for the past, you know, what is it now? Almost 10 years. My gosh. And um so yeah uh that kind of stuff really influenced me a lot and then throughout the years obviously i've dabbled with other things i was never really into rock climbing till uh mark made me come out go climbing with him a couple times in kenora and i fell in love more with the nature aspect 
like I fell in love with climbing too, and I absolutely loved the climbing, but it was just being out in nature and climbing. So it was a whole right. different spectrum of being at vertical adventures and being an indoor gym and climbing compared to being outdoors in nature and climbing. Oh, yeah. And it just like I really just fell in love with the whole idea of it. And that's about the same time where van life was starting to become popularized on YouTube and on social media. And so it's like, oh man, I want to do van life and all this. And then Mark was already kind of doing it, sleeping in his dad's van and just going out there and rock climbing and stuff. And it's like, oh, this is awesome. So um, all that really kind of influenced my life in different ways. And I can list another 20 hobbies. But going back to the parkour thing, and just like, I remember how like big parkour used to be. And so this is one thing as well as like, you know, parkour nowadays is so, I don't know. I haven't been following it too, too much. So I, don't, I could be wrong. And if I am wrong, I apologize to any of you who are, <laughs> are, are triggered by what I'm about to say. But, um, but uh, like, I don't know, you know, like back in the day, like the community sense of parkour was just a whole different ball game than what kind of what we see now. And I don't know if it has to do with like people just being new newcomers being intimidated to try parkour because people are so good now. But, you know, back in the day, we all sucked. You know, the biggest, yeah. you know, and one of you guys was talking, I think it was you, Tom, and you were saying, like, you know, back in the day, just seeing one person do a backflip was, like, the holy grail of parkour. And it's yeah. like, you know, it was just, like, that was it. You know, it was like, wow. And, like, you know, it everyone's jaw would drop. And um, now as people are doing scoot cork, fucking wipe your ass up the wall. You're, you're just flying everywhere, right? Like, you can just do every move you can think of. And it's just, like, incredible. Like, these people are just absolute athletes to the highest degree and level. Yeah, And I made a comment on someone's post a couple of weeks ago, you know, like athletes today are like the Mozart of movement. Like they literally are yeah. composing, they're composing art to such a high degree that it's like, it's beautiful to watch. And, you know, when the parkour community needs to be paid more, we need to have like more monetizable income coming into the parkour community to support these athletes that are just so incredible and beautiful yeah. to like observe. But at the same time, I can see how that's like, you know, and also now with like the advent of like social media and how it's grown itself as a platform, you yeah. know, people are so obsessed with the views and the likes and getting popular, getting to 100K followers and like, please yeah. comment on my post so they can trigger the al algorithm or whatever to like get more people to see it. And it's, right. it's just, you know, let's lost the vibe of like back in the day. We weren't doing it for you. We weren't doing it for social media. We were just doing no. it because we wanted to just do it. And we were just inspired yeah. by it. You know, we saw like David Bell as being our role model of just incredible dude. He just like brought this to the world and we just all like worshipped him as like this great role model and just like, thank you, David Bell, right? And it's yeah. like, and so we'd all just gather and train. I remember like 2011 or 12 when the Ninja Jam had 50 plus people. And yeah. I haven't I haven't seen 50 plus people train parkour in Winnipeg probably since that jam. You know what I mean? And like, there, I have a YouTube video yeah. of it on my YouTube channel, and I, I recorded it. I think it was 2012, actually, because I'm just mind kind of jogging to the video. But yeah, man, it was like we're all like just training and like doing. I remember also this one scene where like I'm with Jarrell, and Jarrell was the only white ninja, so we're all dressed in black. Like, <laughs> Jarrell's just white ninja. <laughs> Look at us. <laughs> so, but then now we see Hawk walk by, and we're like, oh shit, Hawk! You know, it's like old school parkour guy. And he's dressed, he looks like Wolverine or something. I'm like, holy oh, shit, it's Wolverine. <laughs> like, yeah. it's, but it's like literally, we're yeah, like, that's a, right. yeah, we're like a group of like 50 dudes, man, just like yeah. running around. They're like, how scary would that be for like a complete random person? <laughs> They're like, holy shit, I'm going to get jumped. There's 50 I think that was the, the jam we actually saw. There's like a couple people on a bus that drove by dressed as pirates. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and we were like, yeah. Because the big like, pirates and ninjas things yeah. back then. 
Oh, right, right. Yes. Yeah, I mean, there's so many memories there. And then we had that, like, amazing photo shoot where, like, Trevor Johnson took a photo of us all hanging by the Johnson terminal. And we're all, like, people are hanging off the uh, rebar or whatever it's called, the big steel bars. But and there's, like, yeah, man, like, what a cool time. And it's, like, yeah. you know, I'd love to see something like that in modern times, you know? Because, like, like, the kids these days, they just never experience that of just, like, every other week we would meet up and have 20 30 of us just jamming out at the odina circle and it's like yeah. those were the days you know and it's I like there, there's definitely a few aspects to that like a lot of like the older people in the community were still in their like late teenage years you know a lot of free time yeah. and then everyone was around like a similar skill level like we were still all kind of developing yeah. together like no one was way beyond totally right whereas now like new people coming in and they see you know the people that have been training for five years plus and it's just like seems unattainable yeah but i mean and, and you can't be training on the same things all the time yeah like we were back then right but then what's stopping these new teenagers from coming in nowadays you know i mean there's more teenagers now i mean you know population growth whatnot but it's like there's just as many teenagers now as there was back then and it's like where is their interest going what is happening with teenagers these days yeah. they're becoming so much more absorbed in their phones that they're not even uh, pursuing physical activity as much per se yeah. i don't know if that's true or not oh, but it bit. just seems seems that way in a sense you know and like i don't know mark was like such a role model in parkour for me because he was training five years before I started and he was yeah. doing like all that and same with Hawk and like Tyler Krishan like all those guys were doing like crazy things I couldn't do whatsoever and so I was like inspired by it you know it didn't push me away too much it just yeah um I think I think you know but I had that mentality from the start because my kung fu and background right. was already well I was just like I wanted to learn so I think you know there's just a big problem with uh low self-esteem and people's uh own like mental side of life that's affecting people from just trying new things in general and that's like the biggest hurdle that we need to kind of overcome as a society together is just not not only not be hard on our own selves but try to like push other people to not be hard on themselves because people don't have those social cues and they don't have the social cues we had back in the day to like you know don't be hard on yourself you know just try and so you know a lot of people are missing that so they're intimidated to even try or even get out there and just yeah. kind of got to just you got to support other people because the more you support other people and just help other people, the more you'll feel better about yourself and the more you yeah. know, you're going to help the community grow in general, yeah. not just the parkour community, but the community as the city whole, you know, just as a city community wise, you know, we need to like, be more supportive of each other and all that. Oh, for and, sure. You know, you've always been that support when I don't think I can do something <laughs> like, Oh, come on, Christy, you can do this. And I'm like, what? And you're like, look, you just, you already know what to do. I'm just going to tell you what to do. Put your foot here, put your foot here, and your hands here. Right. And I'm like, okay. And then I go, I do it. I'm like, thanks, guy. Every <laughs> time, like, I got it. You helped me get out of my head. And it's just awesome. Just like how you were talking there, you know, you got to yeah. lift somebody else up when you know their capabilities are, you know, to this point. You totally. Just someone like yeah push come on come on you can do this right a little cheerleader off to the side right well you know i've been i've been down so many times in life i've been at rock bottom and you know it always the most impactful thing was when someone gave out their hand and reached up to help me up so i know how important it is to just help other people in that aspect because like that's you know the most important thing we as humans are tribalistic all throughout history we've formed and operated through smaller communities 
And now we're being all clustered into these huge mega cities, metropolises that are just way too unfathomable for us as a genetically wise, you know, like yeah. we can men- we can mentally understand and comprehend what's going on. But loneliness and isolation is higher than ever before. And it's because, you know, we're just in too big of a city and there's too many people. And it's worse when you go in bigger cities. Like I got friends in Toronto yeah. and, you know, the dating scene in Toronto is terrible compared to here. And even here, we can, you know, we have our own judgments about how it's hard to date here in Winnipeg sometimes or find someone, blah, 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 or make those deeper connections. But the yeah. more bigger of a population you go in a city, the more you'll hear people saying how much more worse it is sometimes. And obviously that's subjective and that's not for everyone. And there's some people who find great relationships and all that. But, you know, as a medium kind of whole, uh, yeah. you know, that's kind of a problem people are just kind of facing. And we really lack those like tribal connections of just having deep bonds with people and that's what I'm trying to form right now myself is like, I want to start like a men's club just to help men with, because masculinity on its own is something men are having difficult times to comprehend, especially where people are attacking it and saying, you know, masculinity is bad. And it's not that masculinity is bad. There's a whole aspect of feminine and masculine energy in everybody in females and males biologically. And so it's about honing and tuning, you know, we've never taught how to be a man as a kid. You're going to be a man that's probably going to have toxic behaviors. You're going to treat women right. badly. You're going to have, you know, be object, you know, treat women like objects and things like that. And I've done all that in my past because I never had a father to teach me how to be a proper man. And that's, you know, that's okay now that I can look back on it, accept that and realize that, you know, it wasn't my fault. I just was never taught properly how to hone my masculine energies and be better as a man myself. And so I was really surrounded by a lot of feminine energy throughout my whole life to the point I had toxic femininity energy within myself. So it's not even toxic masculinity, it's toxic femininity that it was in me as a man and it was translating over to, well, you're just a toxic male. And, you know, it's a whole counterbalance of, right. you know, there's, there's a, you know, yin and yang and you got to find the common grounds between both. And so, you know, That's, you got to be a nurturer, a lover, you got to be in tune with your emotions. Like I hadn't cried in years and now I like, you know, I cried so many times, especially, you know, like throughout like the past five years, through like some of the stuff I've gone through, I've bawled my eyes out so much. And now I'm not scared to cry in front of others. I can just break yeah. down and cry in public. Like, I'm not scared of like releasing my emotions. I don't hold on to them because holding on to emotions is very toxic and it damages you internally. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, you know, and that's just one aspect of the whole self-growth game. And so, you know, just more growing yeah. yourself to become a whole being is, you know, embracing the yin and the yang of both sides and, you know, and then for the fem- female, it's the opposite. Females have stronger feminine energy, but they also have masculine and they also have to get in tune with both sides and be able to harness and be in control and understanding of what it means to have masculinity and femininity within yourself. But, um, you know, um, there's just uh, a lot to that. And that could be a whole other topic of discussion for another day, but I don't want to <laughs> dabble too long into that. So, yeah, you know, it's just like we as general just need good role models and realize, you know, look at our own lives, look at your past history and look at where you're at now and be proud of where you're at. And then look at where you yeah. want to be in the future, create a, create a written list of where you want to be in five years from now, see what you want to be and create a self identity for yourself of the type of person you want to be. Because if you don't, you're going to probably end up being the same. You're going to end up being, have the same behavioral traits, same patterns of, uh, yeah. you know, triggers things that like may trigger you emotionally they're going to still continue to trigger you all throughout your life until you address and harness them and learn the lesson that needs to be learned from them so for me it was anger i used to get angry a lot really easily at things and just get absolutely like flip on some things and get real anger and it wasn't until i really delved deep into why i was angry and just like 
found out, oh, it was from a childhood trauma past, like or a trauma from my childhood past that like really messed me up. And I never dealt with it. And I was too young as a child to deal with it because I wasn't cognitively developed enough. And then that affected me out through my whole life. And then I had all these anger issues. And it wasn't until now I'm like, you know, in my 20s and I'm old enough to go back and revise and relive those traumas and just make understanding with them and make peace with them that I can better control my emotions. And so it's like, I love parkour for the sense that, you know, it's all about like management of movement and management of energy. You want to be efficient in your movement. Oh, my cat's knocking on the window. It's like I got to let her in. <laughs> well, um, I hope everyone's taking notes. Because Nino just dropped some like life hacks on everyone. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's, it's so much, it's, you know, good to, uh, you know, if younger people are, you know, listening to this, you know, like to seek out those, those mentors to help you and like kind of find these tools to manage your, you know, all your, your emotions and figure out, help figure out your path in a healthier way. Totally, because it's going to make your path more enjoyable, more happy in the end, right? Especially a lot of people suffer with depression, unhappiness, feelings of unworthiness, and all these things are very common and okay. So, I attended this one like group the other day and it was like, I just was in a group uh, with a whole bunch of strangers. Like it's like 10 other men I didn't know and knew, didn't know nothing about them. And we're all sharing our most intimate problems that we're going through in our life. And it was just like, man, I can relate to him, 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 all of them. You know, I can relate to everyone. Like one was like relationships, one's like this and that. And it's like, when you have that kind of experience in person with another group of people, it makes mm -hmm. you realize yourself that you're not a mistake. There's nothing wrong with you. It's human. It's completely natural. You know, we're all going through the same stuff. Yeah. And uh, it really helps when you can hear it from other people because then it really impacts your own self. And uh, going back to mentors and stuff, um, YouTube, like I said earlier, YouTube is university on crack. Like it's just yeah. so high level content on YouTube. TED Talks are like the best thing you could ever watch. There's so many TED Talks. There's so many great speakers. One I would recommend to people listening here today is Brene Brown's The Power of Vulnerability. So it talks about emotions and dealing with emotions and vulnerability itself as a form of creating deep connecting bonds. So her whole thing is talking about why people feel so isolated, lonely and alone is because they are unable to properly uh, express themselves at a truly vulnerable state. So the more you can get vulnerable with other people and just truly express who you are, the more likely they're going to be vulnerable to you too. And it's through that vulnerability that you guys actually develop a connection and a bond. And so even in relationships with our dating partners, you get comfortable with someone, you get used to them. And you actually start to shut down on some areas in communication. And so communication, while it's so fundamental and key, it's like, you know, being able to constantly be vulnerable with them and really express how you feel without fear of judgment. Because, you know, we, we, the reason why we hide it is we're fear, fearful of being judged or disapproved of and rejected and all these kind of things but you know someone's going to reject you it wasn't they weren't meant for you in the first place and so you know that's like the real key lesson or they have their own inner work to do right and that'll just further bring up their own inner work that they need to address right. and mm -hmm. um so her video kind of talks about that stuff and i'd highly recommend it to everyone even if you're emotionally on a superb level it still has something <laughs> to teach you right it still has something to teach you yeah. and um she's a phd in all this kind of area of science and she does she knows her shit um Another couple of great mentors, like, I mean, I have lists. I've, I've, I've bought over $10,000 worth of, like, 
programs and attendees yeah, yeah. and all these. That's why I can speak about all these things in such depth. It's just like I've, I've learned about so much. I have like a PhD in just like online courses. <laughs> you know what I mean? Work, I've done, man. I've, I've, I've gone to school, but I've done some self-education. And so like, yeah. uh, there's so much out there to learn and there's so many fantastic things to learn. And reading books was the thing that changed my life the most, man. Books are just so amazing. And I was so neglectful to reading books and I'm not a good reader. I'm not a, by any chance, some kind of great reader. I'm very slow and I take a long time to do it, but I still do it and it pays dividends. Like it's really beneficial. And I really recommend to anyone just, you know, start building your library, start learning. Yeah, and if you suck at reading, you don't like reading, you know, now they got audible books, they got all these things. But the thing about audible books that kind of bothers me is they don't pause. They don't, you know, you can't really stop and reflect on one sentence. But when you read an actual book, you know, there's going to be a sentence that's just going to stick out to you in the moment, in your current life circumstance and situation. And it's just going to be like, man, you know, you can spend an hour thinking about a sentence someone wrote and it just blows your mind because it'll take you on this whole rabbit hole of like, you know, this is so deep in terms of reflecting on my own life circumstance currently. And so that's why I like to read books. And so I recommend, you know, if you listen to an audible version or audio book and you really like the book and it resonated with you, read the book a second time on paper because Rob Proctor said, well, he didn't say he quoted someone else who said it, but not that doesn't matter point being <laughs> when you when you read a book the first time i'm sorry when you read a book the second time you won't see something in the book that you didn't see before you will see something in yourself that you didn't see before so what that says you know you can read a book multiple times especially if it's a good book and that book will help you grow as an individual and a person but you will find something in yourself that didn't was not there in you before before you know who knows what kind of circumstance life you know as you grow as you read another book whatever but when you read something else again for a second time you'll find something within yourself that wasn't there before and that's why we can read a set a book multiple times and learn new things from it every time and a really good example of that is you know i was just too young and i was reading a book and i didn't understand what this one sentence was discussing or this one you know idea and i just kind of read over it passed it but then next time a year later when I read it again, it just blew my mind. Yeah, Shakespeare. <laughs> Actually, I've never read Shakespeare before, but it's on my list of things to uh, to read just because he's so well-known and famous. He's actually in Sophie's World. They talk about Shakespeare as oh, one of the cool. right people. On. I can't wait. Yeah, so, pretty neat. Um, we are getting uh, pretty deep into the podcast here, so I'm going to uh, go on to the top five. Do it. Okay. So, Let's we'll start uh, last like last uh, episode we did uh, <laughs> top five training spots. So either places you like your favorite spots you have trained or spots you want to train at. Ooh, I'm allowed to even do places I haven't been to. How exciting! Um, well, hmm. Well, I gotta say, Odina is like probably one of the best spots in the world. I know it's kind of cliche and other people have said it already too, but it really is a fundamental great spot that every athlete internationally needs to come here to Winnipeg and check it out because it's got something That's for right. everyone. And it's not just the, <laughs> it's not just the Odina, it's the Forks. The whole Forks has something. Yeah. There's stuff all over the Forks scattered everywhere. It's just got great things like Manamax and all those kind of things. It's awesome. It's a great spot. Eight and eight in Calgary. I don't think it exists anymore. Like we were just talking no, about that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a great spot too. If it still existed, I could do mental parkour there in my mind still today. So that's okay. <laughs> um, Santorini, Greece, you know, every yeah. person's parkour haven, vision of going there one day. So love to go to Santorini. Um, 
Hmm. That starts to get tough. Well, yeah, I'm not too sure, really. How, how, I'm not too like, much into uh, the spots thing. You've been, in, been to like Lisbon and uh, Madrid, right? Not Madrid. No? I've been to Lisbon, though. Yeah. Mm. Um, oh, Cambridge. That's one. Yeah, Cambridge oh, is yeah. one of the best <laughs> spots in the world. Yeah. Cambridge is just so beautiful. Uh, unbelievable. And I don't know. I'd say I want to say like IMAX and like London, but honestly, all the stuff there is just huge. Like it's all big, right. big. Everything is just so big, big, and it's just like that's not what the kind of parkour style I'm about. I don't care about looking cool, doing like the biggest jump. I want to do more flowy stuff. From like yeah. like Luke Albrecht. I don't know how to pronounce his last name, but this Luke guy from Colorado in America. He's got yeah. such a good style that resonates to like Pasha the Boss, but he's like got an American style to it. So yeah. he's not just like pasha like Russian flow, but he's got his own, he's got his own American style flow. Um, and Colorado, I guess, Colorado has a lot of sick spots and a lot of sick climbing gyms and all kinds of other yeah. stuff. I'd love to go just travel all over Colorado and train as well. Um, yeah, and the Luke guy is a really good inspirational uh, motivation for me as a parkour athlete. Yeah, really cool well, guy. That, we bring that into the next one, then your top five athletes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we just mentioned one of them. Yeah. Uh, Pasha. I really love Pasha. Yeah. He is just such a role model in the past. Um, honestly, most of my most of my athletes would be old school guys like uh, Ryan Doyle, Pip Anderson, uh, Tim Sheaf, Livewire, right. uh, Daniel Arroyo, Arroyo. Um, yeah. All of like those old school guys that we used to watch. Um, oh, Daniel Abaka being number one of them all. Just because it's philosophy, yeah. you know, it's nothing but it's everything. And it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. it really is, man. Yeah. What a G. But, uh, like, I love Daniel. Such a cool guy. Uh, I never met him, but I just, you know, such a cool guy. Seeing him on YouTube. And um, seems like such a good character and soul. And, um, yeah, just all those old school guys. Because I'm an old school guy myself. Yeah. And I see all these new guys, too. And they're really cool and amazing. But and they like motivate me inspire me as well but i can't remember their names <laughs> <laughs> well i mean yeah it's the generation the parkour generation you came up in right like yeah totally it's what's really gonna impact and obviously, you the most and obviously david bell as well yeah most but not as much as like these guys i just mentioned so he's I just can, a legend the king this next one i can probably guess like if we're going by the generations here but uh how about your the top five parkour videos Ooh. that just like moved you? <laughs> well, I like that, that whole like Ryan Doyle travel series where he went to like different countries for Red Bull and like oh yeah, yeah every time cool. every time they finished it, he had like the lights following his kicks and he'll like leave a little trail after. But like I love the turkey one where he's doing backflips with pigeons. Like what is that with that? <laughs> like that's so cool. <laughs> like the pigeons are doing backflips too. Like that's awesome. But uh yeah, that's one video. Um, the Storm video, like with Tim Sheaf, I can't. Uh, Storm like, Freerun, like Volume One, the first one, Volume One. Yeah, like, yeah. that was like iconic. Yeah, for um, sure. Mm, I don't know the name of the video, but it's like one of Pasha's videos back in the day. Just like all kinds of movement gathered together, and the whole Daniel Obaka. Uh, parkour yeah. tour with Scott Bass, where they oh, filmed yeah. that. That was really cool. And, some amazing uh, stuff there. That is old school. 
And uh, Fall Lemonade. Fucking the Winnipeg parkour here. That was such a cool video. I love that video. Just the way they shot. It was like Cody Marshall, Mark. Uh, I can't remember who else. It was Jarrell, maybe? I can't remember. But uh, yeah, those guys. Fall Lemonade. Yeah, that was a really cool video. I love that one. Just they shot it really well. It had a really good vibe and song to it and flow. And the way they cut it just seemed really cool. And plus it was hometown. So it was just really yeah. Cool. I think, that's, I think that's five. <laughs> We're good. Well, Chris, do you want to finish this off here? Uh, <laughs> I think you can take this one, Tom. Yeah, I mean, probably a good uh, at least 45 minutes or longer of this podcast has been, like, incredible advice. But we always like to finish off with one piece of yeah. sage advice. Mm. So if you, any any advice to... I mean, it doesn't have to be to parkour people necessarily. Maybe just humans in general. Yeah. Hmm. I know, there's so much. Yeah, I'm not... Sage advice <laughs> give to the viewers here today. Well, viewers, I know we're all on our own different journeys and we're all doing different things at life currently and many of us probably know each other and maybe we don't and that's okay. But the point being is wherever you are in your life right now, never give up, always be strong, and just continue to try to become the best you can be, because that's really all that matters. There's all kinds of directions and areas in life that we'll all go in, and just keep going with confidence that you're going in the right direction, and feel strong, stay strong, and keep it up. Wow. Amazing. No problem. Yeah. Well... You can find Nino at uh, Nino's Journey on Instagram. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Is it is it an open account or closed? Uh that's my open account. I mean, like that's my old account. I just reactivated it because yeah. um, I'm starting online business kind of stuff. So I want to do online mentorship and coaching, and uh, I'm starting a seven day self growth challenge. So um, it's going to be kind of like, but this is not like parkour stuff. It's just like seven day self growth of better understanding who you are as a human being and like working on your own mental state to achieve a goal. So we all have bad areas in life we're trying to improve on. So the program itself is like, we know we got all kinds of areas to work on. Let's just focus on one and get it done. And so it's kind of giving you like a game plan of how to like formulate a better understanding of something you want to improve in your life. And then giving you some action oriented steps to create a plan to take action on it. And then it's free. And then if they their plan should be enough for them to go on and do it. But if they want to pay for additional coaching, I'm going to have like stage two, stage three, where I actually go into like all these mentors and deep programs I've paid to do. I'm taking all these programs from like Tony Robbins, Brian Tracy, Earl Nightingale, Jim Rohn, um, so many others, Joe Dispenza, Dr. Joe Dispenza, um, putting all of their programs kind of into one program and combining it to just, you know, make a formulated plan to help people create actionable goals and steps to overcome whatever it is they want to improve upon. And so, uh, yeah, that's uh, kind of what I'm, that's what I'm doing with that main channel there. So there's also going to be coaching. I'm going to make a muscle up ebook, how to get your muscle up, how to improve your muscle up, yes, stuff nice. like that. I've helped like so many people here in Winnipeg get their muscle up and even people around the world, like get their first muscle up. So I feel bad for not recording them and getting a testimonial because that would help a lot. <laughs> it's like I've helped, I've literally, I've helped like 60, 70 plus people, you know, do a muscle wow. up before. I think. So it just like, and there's so many people who still want to get their muscle ups, right? Yeah. So 
I just figure, you know, make an ebook and try to get in the online business sector and start doing what I love and get paid doing what I love. Because I do some of these regular paid jobs. I'm like, I hate this. I'm like, I can't last like two weeks before I want to quit, you know, because it's, it's like, it's not for me. It's not my passion. I know life is short. So I want to do what I love and get paid doing it. So that's kind of what I'm doing yeah. with the Eno's Journey page. I'm going to be posting content on there, self growth tips, advice, all kinds of stuff. So if you want to learn more about that, see cool stuff. Follow me, Nino's Journey, on Instagram and uh, Kung Fu Free Running, all one word, on YouTube. Those, and I'm going to start uh, posting. I'll include those in the description too for anyone interested. The links will be uh, below. <laughs> Beauty. Right on. And yeah, uh, it's going to be fun. Also, starting some weapons classes. I was talking with Z. She wants to yeah. start learning some weapons out there too. But we're going to be doing staff, sword, knife disarm, sticks, all kinds of real fun stuff. I got a kung Sick. fu class coming up here now in Winnipeg too. Got a, quite a few men that are coming out here to train kung fu. Hopefully, some ladies will be interested in as well. Learning some street defense, practical, kickboxing styled street defense. For uh, yeah, just it's always important to know, especially in the oh, times yeah. we're in right now. Things are getting crazy in the world, and things don't seem to be, you know, things are all over the place. So it never hurts hurts to prepare yourself and be prepared as an individual Absolutely. and learn life skills that will benefit you. So yeah, give me a shout. I'm always here to help everybody. Awesome. Well, thanks for coming on the program, Neil. Yeah. We couldn't do yeah. this podcast without including you. you <laughs> well, thank you so much for the invite. This, yeah. yeah, it was fantastic. Well, awesome. I definitely have to uh, come back on again. Yeah, man, invite me anytime. We'll, uh, I'll read a couple more books and I'll have some more things to do. <laughs> <laughs> if, we get, if, we get, uh, if we get a lot of uh, likes on YouTube, then you got to do that many muscle-ups. I'm down. Sounds yeah. like a challenge. <laughs> okay, love cool. It. You hear that? Okay, cool. Give it one week from airtime. Thanks. <laughs> All right. Okay, let me, we'll, let, let me know how many it is. We'll do it. I'll do it. I'll, I'll film it, too. <laughs> Perfect. And then, oh, one more thing. We're going to start outdoor fitness classes at the fitness park, which is on Gateway Park. We forgot to talk about this. We <laughs> Sorry, we're going over time here. Yeah. But, uh, the fitness park, there. we're going to have fitness classes happening every week, twice a week, probably like Tuesday, Thursday kind of thing by like 6 p.m. We all meet up at Gateway and Castle, so Gateway Road at Castle Street. And there's a big calisthenics fitness park there. Super positive, open community. Everyone's, some people are learning their first pull-up. Some people are 250 pounds and they're losing weight. Now they're down to 210. So like it's going to show you like people are losing weight. They're trying to get in shape, trying to get healthy. So it doesn't matter where, just what stage you're at in life or what stage you're at physically. There's someone there that you can connect with and resonate with and vibe with. And there's people to inspire you and motivate you to push yourself to get harder and better. We're all really friendly uh, really loving community. We all just want to work out and have fun, and that's it. We blast loud music and have a good time. So if you want to come down, you can uh, message me on social media for more details on that, and I'd love to connect. Cheers. You know what? Awesome. Uh, I did a class with uh, Nino at that park, and yes, man, you worked me out. <laughs> <laughs> that was fun. Yeah, it was a fun time. That was one of the biggest classes too. There was like 24 people there. Oh, it was pretty yeah. huge. It was great. Yeah, it was amazing. Was right great. on. Well, All I hope right. to see you out there. Hey, guys. Thanks, thanks so much. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Bye. Yeah, if you, listen, if you listen this far, that's incredible. Good job, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I don't hope I didn't bore you too much. Cheers. Have a good one. <laughs> You're awesome.